Well, today uh, it is Mother's Day, and you know, uh, one of the things that I, I think about um, in a mother, and uh, this is always the example that I think my, my mom demonstrated, but also my wife, and uh, of course we have four kids, most of you know that, and whenever you're growing up in a, in a and I have four, there's four of us, and and so uh, in in a family that size, there's just time. There's there's times there's you know struggles and 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 uh, fights and and things. And you know I protected my my son a little more than you know I have two older sisters and and we had two girls and then a boy and then another girl after that. And and so uh, but you know I, I my my sisters man they they were. They were they were mean. I mean, they were they were they were tough on me. I mean, it was really tough. You know, and mom just said, hey, "Y'all just work it out." You know, I, I was a little more compassionate on my my son. I I kind of taught my girls not to be quite so. Uh, anyway, they we all have a great relationship, and actually, it was all good. But you know, mothers are the ones who see only four pieces of pie for five people and promptly state that they're really not interested in eating any pie. That's the type of thing that mothers do. I think uh, Dakota mentioned that as well, the how, how the, the women have an ability, moms have an ability to just do things and sacrifice in ways that, uh, man, I'm just very, very thankful for. And so uh, I want us to go, if you would, I, I want to go to uh, Genesis chapter 1, and I, I want us to to think about, we're going to eventually get over into, and and uh, I, I want to end with Proverbs 31. I'm, I'm going to teach more on uh, motherhood or, or Mother's Day sermon, which I don't, I don't always do. As I said, I hadn't done this for several years. Um, not that we don't always honor and want to honor the mothers, but, but uh, you know, I teach a lot of times towards, I think maybe a little more towards the men, I don't ever intentionally exclude women uh, uh, from that, but you know, to me, men need to step up and be the spiritual heads of their household. They need to be taught how to and and model in the church how to lead in the home. I think women naturally just step forth and do a lot of the things that men sometimes just sit back and and we don't take that that initiative and and so but uh, but man I tell you what you know we're going to look at some examples of how God views women and the value that he placed on on the wives on on mothers and on women just in general you know he created man and we know that that he created man and I think I'm in Genesis uh, 1 uh, yeah I am in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 says, So God created mankind in His own image, and in the image of God He created them. Male and female, He created them. And so we know that man was created, Adam was created from the dust of the earth. God gathered up dust, breathed on it, and created, uh, created man. But He was incomplete. And uh, that's something that I, I think is interesting to think about in, in chapter 2, verse 18. And we're not going to read all of this, but the Lord said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God uh, had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man, talking about Adam, gave names to all the living, uh, all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the place with flesh. The Lord gave 
the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, you know, my, my dad told a story of, of how uh, the name for a woman, how, how the name for a woman was given or where it came from. Uh, just like God had brought all, brought all the animals to uh, to know uh, to Adam to name, He brought the woman and presented her to her, and she went, "Whoa, man!" <laughs> okay. Fairly bad, Joe. Fairly weak. Actually, it's from a womb. But you know, that's that's really the the thing. One of the things that God put in us is that we we see and we sense, and there's a there's that that difference in how God created us as male and female. He created mankind, and oftentimes it's referred to man, and, and, and it refers to that all the way through the Scripture. But he's talking about mankind. I use that term a, a lot to indicate that God's not separating out just men when He's speaking, unless He's specifically speaking to the men or to the women. But oftentimes He's calling us man. He created man. And in the older translations or the original translations, they, they a lot of times would uh, just simply say it that way. But notice in that verse 18, he says, it was not good for him to be alone. And, and he brought this woman who he created. Now, all other beings he created out of the dust of the earth. But the woman he brought from the man, and he made them one flesh. When, when we think about the, the marriage and how God established, and one of the things we talk about in, in the wedding ceremony is we talk about how the two become one. And, and you know that oneness is that thing that, that is uh, such a strength. I know for my, uh, my Sue and I, um, it, it's just one of those things that we each have our, our roles, our parts we, we play, our responsibilities, but the two of us together are, are much stronger than we would ever be on our own. And, and most men uh, would attest that if they're married and, and that they've uh, made what they've made, you know, I get credit sometimes for being a great dad, and I just say, I just try to stay out of the way a lot of times and let mom be be mom. Let let her lead the house and let her uh, take care of a lot of things. It's funny how you know a lot of times they'll just automatically defer to her and ask her, "Is it okay if I do this? Ask, uh, is it okay if I do that?" And it's not necessarily because I'm easier uh, or, or or harder. I'm actually easier usually. I'll say, "Yeah, okay, go ahead." And I, you know, but. It's because they know that I'm probably going to go, I'm going to look at her and go, can they do that? <laughs> or I'm going to go, hey, wait a minute, can I, can I, uh, let me, let me just check about this. But you know, the two together, you know, I, I talk about this. I don't do, and, and, you know, today, younger men, I always kidded how the generation, my dad's generation, the older generation, how, you know, there were, I had an, I had an uncle my uncle Sam Bratcher, and he was a good man. He he loved my Aunt Kay, but he was definitely old school. I mean, it was like if his tea glass was empty, he could shake it, and you know she'd come fill that tea glass while he's sitting there and stuff. That didn't mean he was lazy sitting around doing nothing. I mean, he worked hard, but that was part of that generation. And and you know, I think in my uh, the younger generation, don't the men don't get away with things that the older generation did. And, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't do laundry. I don't uh, do very many dishes, but I carry my dishes to the sink and rinse them off. I, I don't I you know I I I don't do laundry, but I don't just leave my stuff everywhere. I pick my stuff up, make sure it's in the hamper, and 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 I help out. Now I'm not telling anybody this is right or wrong. Okay, if you do these things, this is great. You know, but but that's just kind of our agreement. 
But here's the one thing I've always tried to do is, is I've tried to support her in taking care of those things she does. See, she's her one of my wife uh, I'm talking about is uh, one of her lo her love lanes, number one love lanes, acts of service and, and quality time are the two. And so she serves in the, in the home. Well, what I tried to make sure and do as a dad that my kids didn't abuse that privilege. The fact that she will pick your stuff up does not a right for you to leave your bathroom and your junk everywhere and your stuff everywhere and expect her to come clean that up. See, that was me as a dad and me as a husband guarding and protecting her. And so there's, there's different roles, different things, different ways your home would work. But here's the thing, the, the two of you together, when you can balance that, how does that work? You know, and some of the things that I've, I've done was I tried to be sensitive to the, the load she was carrying at the moment. You know, it, it, at times when she was overwhelmed and stressed, I tried to recognize that and pick up slack. I would do some laundry, or I would do till I mess something up, and then she'd say, stay away from the laundry. But, but I would do some of those things to try to help out. And so, you know, it's, it's good that, that we're neither, uh, the value there is, is, is important. One of the things that I, I want to read this says, we know very little about Eve, the first woman in the world. Yet she is the mother of us all. And she was a full, she was the final piece to an intricate and amazing puzzle of God's creation. Adam now had another human being with whom to fellowship. Someone with an equal share in God's image. I think, I think that's an important thing to see. Is oftentimes throughout the Bible, men are emphasized, but yet the, the, there was an equal share and value to the women. Uh, here uh, was someone alike and alike enough for companionship, yet different enough for relationship. Together they were greater than either could have been alone. Eve was approached by Satan in the Garden of Eden, where she and Adam lived. He questioned her contentment. How could she be happy when she was not allowed to eat from the one uh, tree? Satan helped Eve shift her focus from all that God had done and given uh, to the one thing, give in to the one thing that he had withheld. And Eve was willing to accept Satan's viewpoint without checking with God. Sound familiar? How often is our attention drawn from the, from the much that is ours to the little that isn't? We get that. I've got, I've got to have it feeling. Eve was typical of us all and was consi consistently shown that we are her descendants by repeating her mistakes. Our desires, like Eve's, can be quite easily manipulated. That are, they are not the best basis for our actions. We need to keep God in our decision-making process always. His Word, the Bible, the, and the, is the guidebook in our decision-making. And, you know, this illustration of Eve's fall or Eve's failure, you know, the one thing that was uh, left out of this part of it that, that I always emphasize is, is that Adam could have straightened or corrected all of that, and he chose to follow her as well and follow what Satan did. So it was a mutual thing. It wasn't all put on Eve on, on the fall. In fact, I, I hold more responsibility for Adam, who was given that headship over that relationship. But here's the, the, the thing that we see here was in the fall and in the failure to keep the main thing the main thing and to focus on all the things that she 
could do, the devil drew her attention to the one thing that she couldn't or the one thing that she didn't have. You know, I think that's where this... Uh, story or this part of the scripture fits and, and, and becomes a value to each one of us. Because when, when we all look at that example, Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He comes to separate us from all the blessing, all the guidance, all the things that the, that the Holy Spirit provides and, and the, the Lord provides. But we sometimes focus on the things we don't have. You know, I, I think about where marriage is concerned, where a, a, a wife is concerned, and a, and a mother is concerned. You know, there's a there's a world out there that challenges you as women to have it all and to do it all. You know, one of the things that that this society has developed is this idea, this mindset that you've got to be everything all the time. We're going to look at here in a little bit uh, an example out of that, but but. I just want you to know that, you, that when we focus on and put our heart and our direction as, as you as mothers and us as men, uh, whether you're married or, or not, just as a woman, whether you've ever had a child or not, we all need to understand and know that our purpose is to f be uh, followers of God. And if we put God first and focus on all the things that He provides for us, then that helps us stay on track and not get distracted and get our attention off and, and be uh destroyed because of the things that we don't have and that becoming our attention and that drawing us. Uh, in uh, Genesis, uh, let's, let's go to John chapter 8. And, and I want us to see in John chapter 8 this value that God puts on, the example of the value that God puts on women. You know, this was kind of the thing that, that the Lord began to stir me. I didn't know if I was going to preach on this all the way through and, or, or just re reference it. But I want us to see in this example, and again, this is an example of a woman in, in caught in adultery, but it, it's an example of any of us who fall short of being who we want to be and who God wants us to be. And in verse 1, and some of the older manuscripts didn't have this in there. It's in, in italics in this NIV. But uh, they've, they've went ahead and put it in here. Uh, but uh, verse 1 of John chapter 8 says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn He appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around Him, and He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in an act of adultery in the law Moses commanded us to uh, in the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusation. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept asking or questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be first to throw a stone at her. And again he stopped and, and uh, stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with her, with the, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? 
No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Now, I, I, I read that passage because, and, and took the time to read through that whole thing because you see something here that society had, and, and even God's law from, from Moses had put a, a harsh punishment on a woman caught in adultery. Now, I know some would say, well, where's the man in this deal? Is he not part of this process? And so we'll just kind of leave that part uh, aside and we'll deal with that another day. But, but here's, the, here's the point. The society said this woman had no value, lesser value, and yet Jesus produced or provided the opportunity for her to be restored. He said, I'm not judging you. Now listen, did he condone the sin? Did he okay the sin? Did he say, okay, the sin? See, I don't want the focus necessarily to be on the sin, but if we generalize that and say sin of any kind, we see that there was, a, even though the law said this, this sin had to be dealt with in this harsh manner, Jesus said, no, wait a minute, I came to not judge, I came to transform. So Jesus said, I'm not condemning you, and, and neither are they. He removed the accusation. But notice what he left her with. He said, go now and do what? Leave your life of sin. So I always tell people, you know, people say, well, Jesus loved everybody, and He absolutely did. Jesus accepted everyone, and He absolutely did. But what Jesus did is He brought people, and when He came into their life, their life was changed. They were no longer the same. And I think that's what needs to be emphasized here, that, that Jesus brought to her restoration and provision for her sin, and He gave her, He said, now leave this life of sin. So He, said, he was saying, go and be changed. Isn't that what happens when we make Jesus Lord of our life? We begin to be changed. It's like Dakota's example of, of, of doing business and, and the things that you begin to do. You approach things entirely different. You won't be perfect. You, you're going to continue to work on that, but your heart will be better. Your, your idea, your approach will be different. You, you'll begin to receive conviction from the Holy Spirit, not condemnation from the world, but conviction from the Holy Spirit that'll say, uh-uh, we don't do that anymore. Uh-uh, we don't, we don't cheat here. We don't lie here. We don't abuse here. We don't do business so somebody loses at, at, so that I can win. We, we do things at, at, so that it's good for all or that you're able to uh, build into others' lives, even at the expense sometimes of, of your own. There have been many, many times whenever I've taken the short end of the stick just because I want to honor God and because I, in my heart of hearts, absolutely know that I'm tr I can trust God to make up the difference. If I lose in this one circumstance or in this time, I can have God make up the difference. I'm trusting in Him to do that. Now, is there times that, that uh, it, things would be different? You know, there's, there's been times whenever, well, I'll, I'll just leave examples out. We'll just keep going with this. But there is, a, there is an absolute example of Jesus valuing the woman and the world trying to condemn. You know, I, used to, I, I bring that illustration up a little bit because in the world that we live in, especially with social media, but even without that, if, if, if you get together with a group of people, there's always the struggle with comparison. There's always the, the uh, challenge to, to compare. Well, my grandkids uh, do this, and, 
or this person's kids or grandkids and, and all these different comparisons. And you know what? We can get caught up in all of those things and begin to have the weight of the world on us. We can feel sometimes, well, well my kid's not, you know, as, as, as gifted as that. And, and look at that family. They, everything's always perfect at their house. And, and uh, you know, here's the, here's the thing. It's really not, I'm sure. But the world will sometimes try to condemn us for not having perfect kids. I mean, after all, that, that Davis kid is sure loud in church. <laughs> well, you know, the wonderful thing is she won't always be loud in church. No, she won't. She, uh, Dakota's looking at me like, yeah, I think she might be. But, you know, there, we go through those seasons where, and, and I'm glad it doesn't bother them a whole lot, but the thing about that is, is, is we go through those seasons and those times. You know, you, you say, well, you know, my kid doesn't do this or my kid doesn't do that. Listen, we're going to have to grow. we got to grow and allow for God to transform our life and go through these seasons and these changes where, where we're working to get better. You know, this woman was caught in sin, and it names the sin, but that, that sin could be any sin. It could also, I think, represented here, and I, and I like to bring out just as a, as a point of reference, that Jesus came into other people's lives. At, time it was at times it was physical healing. At times it was financial help. At times it was instruction and teaching. In times it was discipline. Remember, he drove people out of the temple and said, you better, get, you better use my father's house correctly. That's a loose paraphrase, but you know, he said, get out of here. And so there, there were all these different ways that Jesus came into people's lives and transformed them. And that's what I wanted us to see here. There's going to be times you as a mother, you as a, as a wife, you, you as a grandmother, there's going to be many, many times whenever you could get caught up in that, in that struggle with comparisons. And I just challenge you to always go before the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do in order to be all that you've called me to be? And how can I be free from that burden and walk forward in, in, and be the best that I can be. You know, I challenge you men, if you're, if you're married, I challenge you and have kids, I challenge you men, do your part to help and, and be aware. You ought to pray every day, Lord, give me the strength and the wisdom to be the helpmate to my wife, to make her and help her, help me to be the kind of man I need to be for her. You know, that right there will probably transform uh, a lot of things in your life. It'll, it'll impact you in a lot of ways. Let's look at John chapter 4. I want to look at another example. Just back up a couple of chapters there to uh, several chapters there to chapter 4, uh, verse 4. You know, it's interesting that in verse 4 it says, Now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus chose but he had to. He was compelled to go to this certain place. You know, Jesus had called uh, his disciples. He had gone by and he'd said, come, follow me. He'd begun his ministry. He was changing lives. He was healing people. He was doing a lot of things, but he'd not, he'd not outwardly stated that he was the Messiah. Now, it says there that in verse uh, Seven. It says, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So it was just Jesus there. Again, he was there alone with this woman. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, 
You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. When, uh, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but, whatever, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of, well, of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband and come back. Now, she says, I have no husband. And he goes on to reveal that, that yeah, you're, you've had five husbands. You're living with somebody now, and or four husbands. You're living with somebody now. I, don't, I didn't reread it. Uh, but, it, you know, the, the point is, Jesus said, you're all, you are a flawed person. She was there because the world, again, was judging her for her failures, she didn't come to the, to the well when everybody else came to the well. She came at a time where she could go alone so she didn't have to face the people for the life that she had lived. And you know what? Jesus didn't condemn her for those things. Jesus wasn't looking at her and saying, well, you know, if you this and that and other, he wasn't bringing the judgment. What was again he doing? He, going down to verse 21, says, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem, for the Samaritans worship what you do, do not know. We worship what we do, do know, for the salvation is, for the, is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come that when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the, the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now catch this verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now he, for the first time, revealed himself as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he did it to a Samaritan woman who wasn't even a Jew. He did it to a woman who by many standards, wasn't uh, the, the one he should have maybe sought out first. See, I bring you to these two examples on, on women and the value that of, of the life in him brought something new and provided something that the world couldn't fix and the world couldn't provide. Jesus in the relationship that he had provided for that. Now, I want us to turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 31. And, and I'm going to go down through these verses real quickly in, in the time that we have because I've challenged our morning Bible study people and, and uh, uh, the other uh, cowboy church. I've challenged them to read through Proverbs. And I don't know if I've said this to you all or not, but Proverbs has 31 chapters, the book of Proverbs. So it was written by the wisest man alive. Uh, considered Solomon, most of it was written 
but it was the book of wisdom. It is the book of wisdom. And you know, it's amazing how it still applies to our everyday life. If we'd read a chapter a day, start on uh, the first day of the, of, the, of the month and read through it, you could read it through in a month, reading a chapter a day. And if you did that now till, the, till December, you could read through it six times. And, and I would challenge you to do that just simply because the, the, the principles that are in there will we'll transform our lives and enable us to walk according to uh, the Word of God. Now, it's interesting that in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, he says, if we'll find wisdom that, that we can have, or if we follow God and fear God, that we'll find wisdom. And then he comes through into, into Proverbs 31, and he begins to, to show a woman who is walking in the wisdom and the fear, the fear of God, and the wisdom of God, and all the things she's able to do. You know, we, we'd all love to be uh, perfect. We'd all love to be uh, the, the shining example. And some of you, I mean, I look around, I mean, we got great moms, we got great grandmas, we, great, uh, great in the sense of very good, uh, great examples within this church, I believe, and many that aren't here. But I want us to look at what this uh, pictures and how it gives us a model. Verse 10, it says, A wife of noble character, who can find... A, a wife of noble character, who can find... I'm going to read this. Actually, I, they don't have the NIV on the screen, so I'm going to read it off the screen. Who can find a virtuous wife? For, for her worth is far above rubies. Well, I tell you what, that is, is the, the thing that we should seek after. The heart of her husband safely trusts her so that he will have no lack of gain. You know, I, I wrote out beside that, and I, I just wrote notes out beside these as I went down through here, and, and that's reliable. You know, when, when we give our lives to God, Jesus values you as a woman. He values all mankind, obviously. But you know, the, the thing that we're talking about here is not just a mother, but just women as a whole. If we'll learn to walk this way, live this way, and apply these principles, then, then you can be reliable, as it says in verse 11. She, verse 12, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And I wrote out beside, honors and respects, adds to, doesn't subtract. You know, uh, I, I challenge the men all the time. I'm going to challenge the wives. You can, you can read studies, do, do personality things. You understand what is, the mo what is the number one need of a man? Respect and honor. Some of you thought sex, but uh, that's down the list. One or two. Or, you know, down a little bit. I'm just being honest. Golly, y'all are stiff and tired. Man, jeez. Y'all are just kind of... But, you know... We sometimes don't talk about that sort of thing or those types of things, but the, the number one thing for, for a man, you know, there's a, there's a saying that I've, I've had, uh, one of my mentors gave this to me when I first started in ministry, and it was, what gets rewarded gets done. If you begin to think about that and begin to apply that thought, what you, in other words, what you talk about, what you reward, what you brag on, how you, how you use your words and what you speak and say about 
those is, is very powerful. I always tell people, I said, you know, you ought, to, you ought to be very, very careful what you say about your kids. I, I talk about this all the time. How, how don't, don't talk about your kids clumsy, even if they are. Don't, don't, don't emphasize their weaknesses. Don't emphasize and bring out all the things just to be funny. I, I, this is the way I live. If you don't like this, you, you don't get mad and leave the church. Just, you know, just grin and bear it and go on and do your own thing. But I, I can tell you, you want to you know one of the greatest ways to encourage your kids is let them hear you talk about them when, you, when they don't think you know they're listening. In other words, let them overhear you tell somebody, man, he did this or she did that. Don't emphasize all the things that are wrong. Well, the same thing about your husband. Wives that support and add to and, and talk about their strengths. I mean, you, you want to get your husband to do something, talk, talking about how hard he works or how to, don't go around griping all the time. I'm very thankful. I've, I've got a wife that, you know, one of the things we agreed on early on is she was going to pick good friends. And, you know, we don't hang out, and that's one of the things about being a pastor. You just, you just don't get to go hang out like everybody else gets to hang out. I mean, you have to be a little more careful and, and, and just, I mean, being in that leadership role and, and things. But I remember as a, as a, as a young woman, as a young uh, mother, and well, we were, were married about four years before we had any kids, but she would go and spend time with people that were building up their husbands instead of, instead of tearing them down. You know, you don't want to, you've got to guard against spending time with people and, and, and s discussing all your problems and the, and the flaws of your husbands. You, you need to find, if you've got to talk about something like that and something needs to be dealt with, obviously, you need to be very careful how, that's, how that happens and, and where you discuss those things. A wife who honors and respects. Now, obviously, he needs to be honorable and respected and, and able to be respected. But here's the thing. How can, how can you help? Think about that. How can you help to, to create those things? Verse 13 says, She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. That means that she's developing what she has. This is the note that I wrote out beside that, that she develops what she has. You know what? Uh, I, I love this, and, and my wife is an example of this, is that no matter what house we had, we've lived in 18 different houses. And, and, and what no matter, and I mean, some of them were old and, uh, you know, and some of them were new and nice, but regardless of what, whatever one was, the reason I'd really hate to paint is because I've painted so much in all those houses. But you know what I respected and loved about it is she desired to make every house a home, every house as neat and nice as she could. She, we, we'd, we'd scrape old paint off and paint it. I remember, well, anyway, I, I'm, I don't have enough time to tell too many stories, but we'll keep this working. But what do we have? That Not just where your house is concerned, but what do you have that you can develop? What do you have that you can take care of? Verse 14 says, she is like a, she, she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. means she keeps the family fed, keeps the pantry full. That's a good, that's a good thing. Verse, verse 15, she gets up while it's still night, and she provi provides food for her family. I, I, I tied in right there, prays, plans, and prepares. That's just the note I wrote out beside a virtuous woman. That's what we're talking about. A woman who, who would be... So she prays, she gets up early, prays, plans, and prepares. Verse 16 says, She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. Resourceful. See, a lot of times we, we think Christianity has this, this, uh, this idea of this woman uh, just only being a homemaker. 
only being at home. That's one of the things my wife wanted to be. I've worked two and three jobs most of all of our marriage so that she could do that. And now after the kids got older, she's now an office manager and been there for seven years or so at Grace Care and, and, and works outside the home and loves that. But she was always resourceful no matter what, 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 she, no matter what she did. She said, verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for every task. She has a good attitude and she's strong. She does whatever she needs to do. This is the virtuous woman. Now, is anybody tired yet? I mean, man, this is like the woman who's perfect. Sets, uh, verse uh, 18, she sees that her tradition or her trading is profitable. She sees that her trading is pr profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So I see their consistency and being prepared. The lamp would go out at night if you didn't put the oil in it. Right? Verse 19, in her hand, she holds the uh, distaff and grasps the spindle with the fingers. Basically, that's hand uh, weaving stuff. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She's compassionate and generous. That's what I wrote out beside that. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. So is that saying that today you got to know how to sew in order to be a virtuous woman? No. Just, just I, I'm, I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you some room here in a minute. Just keep, stay with me. Her husband is respected in the city, where he takes his seat among the elders at the field. She makes her husband better. That's what I see out of that. She's clothed with strength, verse 25, and dignity, and can laugh at the days to come. She's confident. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So she's watching and attentive and not lazy. Verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hand has done, and let her work bring the praise at the city gates. Now, I just want to I, I want to write, I, here's something I wrote out. A woman can't be all this every day, but choose what is attainable. Have integrity, be resourceful, remain industrious, walk in wisdom, honor others, and fear the Lord. You know, the reason I stopped and said, man, is anybody tired yet? You could read down through that and you say, well, gosh, I'm not that one. Gosh, I'm not that one. Jeez, I don't do very good at this one. This is kind of depressing. I hope nobody got that out of this, but I think that there would be the, that would be the way the devil would work is you'd say, you know what, I'm trying, but man, I can't do all that. I can't make all these clothes. I can't be all this. I can't do this. Listen, that's, where, that's why I brought out the fact that Jesus wasn't holding the judgment and the criticism over those women, but he brought them the help they needed. You see, we use this as a model. We use this as an example. We use this as a goal. But we have to allow the Lord to direct us in what we can do and what we can't. You know, the world, by comparison, says you got to be super mom. You, you got to make sure your kids are in every event. You got to make sure your house is perfectly this or that. 
and or or you got to be able to cook amazingly, and you got to post all this stuff. Make sure. I mean, man, I, I did a I did a, a a busy pastor post this morning. I did my my wife, my mom, and my mother in law all in one post on Facebook. So I got that done, got that out of the way, and I covered it. Did I do okay? Yeah, it's okay. Okay, you know, I, we we sometimes struggle in life to keep up, and we can read through that list and be overwhelmed. But again, don't emphasize everything you're not in that list, but go before the Lord in that and say, okay, Lord, how can I attain to be all you've called me to be? I challenge the men all the time to be all they can be. I hold them to a pretty tough standard. It's harder for me to, to, to challenge the ladies, in, in you, you women, in, in the same manner sometimes just because I, I mean, you know, I'm not a woman. But at the same time, this is God's standard. Here's the thing I tell you where walking in a life free from sin, walking in, in, the, in the image of God, and all the things that God commands us to do, He never asks us or, or, or gives us an example of something we should try to attain without also giving us the strength to get it done. In all the places that you'd say, man, I'm, 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 not I'm not able to do this. One thing I'd say, you, you offer it up before the Lord and say, God, help me to be that virtuous woman. You know, the one thing that Proverbs, it rings through Proverbs from the beginning to the end, is that if we'll fear the Lord and honor Him, all these other things start to line up. And you know what? We should have... Even in our inadequacies, those women, the examples that I brought out from John, John, Jesus didn't leave them in that place of judgment, but He strengthened them to move forward in the things of life. He gave them the, the ability to achieve, to be transformed, to, to go before. You know... Rather than looking at these specific things, I'm just going to hit these, these words that we can be. We can, we can fear the Lord. This is all Christians, but, but you women. You can be reliable. You can show honor and respect. You can develop what you have. You can keep your family fed. Or delegate that out. Right? Right? You can pray, you can plan, you can prepare. You can be resourceful. You can wake every morning with a good attitude. You say, but, but you don't know. But I know God, how good He is. You can, you can gain strength from the Lord. You can be consistent. You can be prepared. You can be compassionate and you can be generous. You can make your husband better. You can gain confidence because you're in Christ. You can endeavor to be more industrious. And you can make sure that, again, you put God first in your life. You know, I can't do a perfect job in telling you how to be a, how to be a mother, but I can certainly point you to the one who can. You know, one of the greatest gifts that Jesus gave those women was he, that I used as an example. 
is He gave them freedom from condemnation. He gave them freedom to trust Him and to allow Him to transform them. So I hope in nothing, nothing in this brought uh, you to all the things that you were not. I pray that it brought you to all the things that you have. And that's a resource in God, in Christ Jesus. And that applies to us men too. It applies to you if you're not a mother or you've never had the opportunity. You know, I know uh, Mother's Day is an interesting day in many, many ways, in many different ways. Because for those who aren't mothers or those who've lost their mothers or maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your mother, whatever it is, that, but, but centered in the midst of this message is it goes far beyond just what women need, but it goes directly at what, what each of us need as Christians, as those who are in need of a Savior. You know, it's like I said last, I think last week, we're all the same at the foot of the cross. We're all the same needing Christ and, and, and needing Christ Jesus and what He provided. Let's go before the Lord and let's pray. Father, we just come before You today. and Lord, we thank You that we're always challenged when we go to the Word of God. We ought to be encouraged, but Lord, we also ought to be challenged to grow, to develop, to increase in our knowledge of You and our trust in knowing that, that you don't leave us where we are. You, you love us where we're at, on the way to where we're going. And Lord God, we know that when we have and walk in your plan with you, that Lord God, it, it, it will, we will continue to increase. We will continue to grow. So Father God, I just pray and I just ask you that to, to be with these today, that each of us would look at our lives, male or female, we'd look at our lives and we'd see the example of how you didn't leave anyone the same, that you and your love, your mercy, your grace, and your compassion, that Lord God, you came to each one and you said, you said, Here, here's the problem and I'm the fix. Now Lord God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who, who hasn't made that decision, that choice, to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe they've just felt like they lived a life that, that wasn't worthy. Well, well, Father, I pray that they'd see the love of God that's made available to them. And I pray today that they'd accept the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and to confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Father God, we just praise you. We thank you for every mother represented here or, or with us. Father, I pray over the rest of the day, that Lord God, that there'd be a freedom and a knowing that you give us the ability to do everything that's before us. All the moms that are stressed, I thank you that you give them peace. All, all those that, that feel like they could fall short, I ask that you, you come alongside them, give them a strength to know that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. And we thank you, Lord God, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.